from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNY News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Chief financial officers are known for crunching numbers, but they're also often asked to think strategically and innovatively, says Brandon Smith. I'm Jennifer Plager, a senior editor with CUNA News and Credit Union Magazine. I recently spoke with Smith, the chief financial officer for $131 million asset Reliant Federal Credit Union in Casper, Wyoming. Smith talked about the changing role of the CFO, how CFOs use data, the issues CFOs are paying attention to, and more during a conversation with the CUNA News podcast. Brandon, can you give us a, a little bit of a brief background on yourself and, and how you came to be the CFO at Reliant Federal? My background has nothing to do with uh, banking sector or credit unions or anything like that. I actually am a fifth-generation cattle rancher from Wyoming, so I grew up in agriculture. And uh, my grandfather uh, got sick when I was a senior in high school and sold the ranch. And so we, my two siblings and I had to go to college and find something else to do. And I ended up studying international business at the University of Wyoming. And from there, uh, I, I'm Worked in Idaho for a few years, and then a family friend got me back into the state. And I was actually doing life and health insurance, and I was doing trust work. So I was doing, I was the agent for the Wyoming Credit Union Insurance Trust. When the CEO here at Reliant, who is still our CEO, Steve Higginson, called me up and said, "Hey, we would really be interested in having you come and uh, do a job for us and work for us." And they, at the time, did not have a, kind of an executive level finance position. And that's what they wanted me to do. And as I looked at that, uh, my first few years out of college were in operations and finance and things like that, pretty analytical. And and so the insurance thing was kind of a segue. But uh, when they offered that to me, I I was so excited and said, really, you're going to pay me to do that? And and really had no idea how much more depth there was to the industry and the movement and and how good a fit that would be for me. But uh, they recruited me over uh, 10 years ago this March. And uh, as as a, essentially the same job, we had, we were VPs at the time, and they, we renamed our, ourselves, uh, our executives, to the C-level. And um, But it's been the same job for me all these 10 years. So that's, that's how I got here. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, working for Reliant and, um, and being involved with such a great group of people all all throughout the country doing what we do. So it's been a wonderful experience for me. Growing up, did you kind of assume you'd go into the family business of, of the cattle ranch? Oh yeah, I was cowboy through and through and you know I still I still love that part of my uh, upbringing, my roots and I still have a lot of family you know that does the same thing or things like it. And uh, we do have some cousins on the original homestead up there in northern Wyoming, but uh, I would have never thought that I would do this kind of work and be in an office all day. I grew up on horses out in the mountains and you know, was outside all day. So it's it's very different, but uh, but I've come to love it. Now, Brandon, you mentioned that, you know, you've been doing, you said, the same job for, for 10 years or so since you were recruited over to the credit union. At the same time, we keep hearing about this changing role of the CFO. What What's kind of driving that change and, and what what's changing about the role itself? I thought about this one a little bit uh, over the years. You know, it's it's been a topic that we've um, discussed at our conference and um, there's quite a bit of chatter about this idea, and I think the main thing that's changed has been to, I think, elevate the role of finance and accounting folks from simple number crunchers to being more involved in strategy and in uh, the higher level thinking and execution of those big strategic plan uh, goals and, and, and those kinds of things. And uh, 
you know, it, when you're in a financial institution, the, the chief financial officer or, or folks that are along those lines, regardless of their title, uh, tend to be good candidates in many ways for the, the CEO position, and yet there are a lot of times the operations folks are chosen as well. I think this has all been very good for CFOs. It, it helps us to think a little bit differently about the kind of work we do and, and be more focused on big picture. We're naturally pretty good at detail and digging into the weeds and and uh, analysis and, and insights and all those kinds of things. But uh, when you have to think about things in bigger bigger terms, bigger picture, uh, I think that that's good for us. It grows us as individuals and also our, our trade. But I think that uh, it's a benefit to to the credit union and the movement as a, as a whole also to have those pretty heavy thinkers uh, at that table and to kind of help to qualify and uh, ground and, and do further research and analysis into the where we're all going and what we're trying to do and how best to serve our members. That's the, probably the biggest thing that I've seen that the role has changed, even in, since I've been here. You know, it's, it's been fun to, to spend more time thinking about, you know, where do we go? And, and I'm talking about Reliant. Where do we go in our state? Or how do we grow? How do we better serve our members? How do we gain those economies of scale? And, and I'm party to those conversations and, and the input is valued and, and expected even. And uh, then there's a need and a desire uh, for the, you know, the CEOs to, to have those insights and to have, have us go and look hard at, at the data and, uh, but also just have those conversations. And, and, and it's helped to develop better relationships with, with uh, our boards and, and have a different kind of rapport consequently. Sometimes the finance and accounting people, we tend to be a little more introverted and a little more to ourselves. And, and yet I've found so many of my peers uh, that are, there's a big fire burning inside and we, we're just not as vocal about the caring and uh, the desire that we have to make the difference in our communities and our membership. And, and so it's, it's fun to see that kind of emerge and to see that out there and, and making a difference. And do you think there's any specific reason why what's driving this change or is it just kind of happening organically because this idea of more strategic thinking is just kind of seeping into every kind of job? Yeah, you know, there was a book some years ago that came out. Actually, I have it here. 2005, it was a book called A Whole New Mind. And uh, it was a very interesting book by Daniel Pink. It said, Why Right-Brainers Will Rule the Future. And uh, it was a little disconcerting to some of us who are pretty pretty quantitative analytical folks and, and definitely left-brainers. And yet, uh, we went through a wave of that, right? And, and they were talking about how the value of those those kinds of folks, you know, MBAs coming out of school and crunching numbers, how that was kind of waning and how the creative, innovative mind was going to take over. And, and what I would say is, uh, while that emerged, I think that there was more of a convergence than a takeover, if you will. And What's come of all this is a, a focus on business intelligence, you know, data analytics, all this kind of stuff is with uh, big data and um, AI and machine learning and all these buzzwords out there and, and really powerful, fascinating concepts is I think what, what's necessary is for people who are quantitative to be creative simultaneously, if you will. And so I think that the amount of information and data that's being produced because of the technological advances in the world we live in I think there's a real need for for folks like us, and yet we're being asked to think a little bit differently too, and to uh, be part of the innovation process, and to 
be creative. And interestingly, you can be very numbers driven and still be a creative person. You just might express it in a spreadsheet <laughs> or something instead of uh, artwork, for example. But um, I, I think that's kind of what's driving it myself. And there are probably other factors out there and, and uh, trends and things that are, are pushing that envelope a little bit. But that's kind of what I've seen. And do you like being being asked to be at the table when you're making strategic decisions and to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more innovative? Do you like that part of the, quote, new CFO responsibilities? I do. Uh, I, I really enjoy that. I, I love ideas. Uh, part of that I know is my unique personality, but uh, I, I really like to theorize and, and uh, you know, ponder possibilities and, and look out into the future and be part of the visioning process that's that's really fun to me. It, it kind of revs me up, and I do like that. And then I like to go back and and find ways to either back those things up with data or to use the data to come up with insights and ideas that we can offer to say, hey, you know, this we want to go in this direction, but is it is that really what members want? Is it really where things are headed? Is is it really something that we can do with our business model? You know, all that kind of stuff. So it it puts some meat and teeth into a lot of the the discussions that we're having is to, to be able to sort of ground that that thinking rather than it, it's great to have the, the big ideas uh, and, and we should think big, uh, but it's great to go back also and, and kind of qualify that or, or, or figure out how to make real plans toward that end. And you've mentioned a couple of times big data, um, and we hear a lot about how credit unions can benefit if they, you know, look at the data that they have available to them. As a CFO, how how do you use data to accomplish the your goals or or your job responsibilities that you have? Some of the core things that we most, I would say, CFOs, and, and it, it it varies wildly depending on the size and complexity of the institution and all those kinds of things. That you know, I, on, for example, on the I serve on that finance executive committee, and and we I'm I'm the smallest by probably half on that EC, and and so I I often rub shoulders with with folks who are at credit unions in the several hundred million to billions, and and their job's pretty different from mine. For example, they're still using data also, but they're they're having maybe analysts that that produce it, or they may have a a BI department, things like that, and so you know there's the the core things that we all have to do, like ALM, so that interest rate risk management, uh, liquidity management, uh, we tend to be pretty involved in the credit risk management, even though that's really a lending function. But a lot of times the, the analytics group is is under the finance folks, or at least they kind of have that skill set. So they're, they're called on to come and do loan portfolio analytics or other types of uh, analyses to, to understand and, and manage the risk in the loan portfolio. Uh, investing. You know, we, we use lots of analytics to uh, understand whether it's pre-purchase analysis or portfolio performance, those kinds of things. I consider myself very fortunate to have had the job right out of college. Uh, first, I was in forecasting and planning, which beefed up my Excel and Access skills. And then after that, I went into financial analytics at the same company. And, and that really got uh, me to a point where we learned how to think about Ways to make and save money, how to you know become more efficient, how to be more productive, and we would just dig. And so I've I've done the same thing everywhere I've worked since, and especially here at the credit union is just look at our operations. You know where are there inefficiencies, where are there opportunities to to change a process, and and uh, you know kind of that continuous improvement mentality, like journey mapping, for example, it's a good place for 
for somebody like me to get involved if, if member service is looking at that kind of a thing? You know, how does how does a member do a certain thing? How they interact with the credit union? What kind of channels are there out there? Um, I've done lots of analysis on our membership demographics. I've tried to look at uh, how that compares to, say, a, a local, regional, or national demographic profile. So trying to understand, you know, are, are we reaching that younger generation? Uh, are we retaining members that are, you know, all, all throughout the, the, their different life stages? And that kind of information is really fun to look at. It's a little challenging with uh, credit union our size and, and the different responsibilities I have to, to dig as much as I would like, but starting to look at card transactions, so where people are using their cards and what we're trying to do is figure out how to say, okay, maybe just across the street here we have a, a very popular restaurant in our community, and, you know, can I find out who's using, who's going there, and could we partner up with that restaurant and offer a little discount if they used our card? That drives interchange income, but it also drives business and, and you know, kind of rapport in our community. Uh, other types of things. People are using Amazon Prime. People are using, you know, so they have a card attached to those types of things, whether it's, you know, iTunes or Amazon or Google or whatever. And and if we, you can review that kind of information and say, are their behaviors changing? Did they drop our card? Are they using somebody else? You know, how do you promote those things? And and uh, so that's a whole treasure chest full of of information that can benefit the credit union as a whole. It can benefit individual members. It can help our communities by, you know, working together with with uh, other businesses locally. There's all kinds of things. Uh, looking at peer-to-peer, we haven't bought a peer-to-peer platform yet, and so I built dashboards and all kinds of other tools to help management make decisions, better understand and evaluate relationships with members and profitability with our products and services, uh, engagement, all kinds of things, trends, trying to understand mix and makeup of loans and shares, how the balance sheet might be shifting. So on and on and on. I could I could carry on for a long time on this topic, but uh, I have a long-term goal to help our credit union become very data-driven, at least to involve that in the decision-making process. And, and we never want to completely eliminate those kind of our intuition, frankly, and, and to use uh, those other softer skills to make decisions, but we we ought to have at our disposal good information that can help us make those those decisions as well. So it's I believe in it a great deal, and have worked really hard here to put tools and in, in place to to help our management team make better decisions and to to help kind of show in a more clear way where we're going, where we could go, kinds of things that we're accomplishing, and and I I think it's making a difference there, but it, it's a process and takes time. Do you have any examples of, of specific things that you've done where you've used data to come to that result that maybe wouldn't have been possible without data analytics or would have been a lot more difficult? The one that comes right to mind is the demographics example I gave you. And more specifically, you know, everybody's talking about the younger generations and how do we reach them. And there's a real fear that the mean or median age of, of our membership is aging and, and uh, you know, are we really attracting and retaining these younger folks. And, and uh, one thing that we found is that we actually have a real high concentration of really the, the Gen Y and and younger group. Uh, and that's relative to our, you can put it in context to our, you know, the, our, our city, our county, uh, even the country. And we have a, a higher concentration of those younger members than our area has otherwise. 
then look at, you know, we have a little bit lower on the very youngest, on the on kids, basically, young kids. And uh, so that, that helps you to say, okay, well, now we can, maybe we focus and we have uh, brought in some other kid programs so that we can encourage those right in the beginning parents to help their kids open accounts, become members of the credit union, start saving. Uh, we realized that we had a little work to do there, but when they're a little bit older, we found we can continue with our our strategies and, and philosophy of trying to stay pretty current. We're not a bleeding edge like beta tester credit union on technology, but for a credit union our size, we're very current with technology and that's a real focus for us. So we offer pretty much everything anybody else offers, you know, from mobile apps to on, you know, to whether it's opening loans or share accounts or uh, remote deposit capture, all those kinds of technologies. Uh, we've got all that stuff. And I think part of that's helping to reach that younger group. Uh, you know, and it affects the way that marketing thinks and uh, and is able to reach those members, the platforms, and the and the channels that we use to to connect with them. So I, I really think that some of that demographic analysis, r- real early on, that was one of the first things I started digging into. I think that's had an influence on the direction that we've taken and the way that we've been able to to serve members and to strengthen our our younger base a little bit. So, Brandon, other than the changing kind of role of the CFO into more of a strategic thinker and data, what are some of the other things that are on CFO's minds in in terms of what they're paying attention to or what they're thinking about? The the top of the list seems to be Cecil everywhere we go. And, uh, you know, still, and even what they kicked out another year. Uh, so there, there's a lot of concern about the new new standards there and, and trying to be prepared for that. And and I don't I don't blame them. It's a pretty significant change, and it can mean uh, a lot of money on for the reserve. And and so Cecil is something that we're continually asked to talk about at the finance conference, at our forums that we hold. It, it's making the top of the list over and over and over again. We're a little surprised at that at this point in the process, but. Um, and yet, uh, you know, that's what they want to talk about. So we continue to, to get great speakers and, and uh, have those resources for our, our, our membership in the council. Uh, beyond that, you know, it's I think as uh, finance folks is, is really paying attention to the economy. We're worried about rates. You know, that, that kind of never goes away, whether that's um, our, our local economy, national economy, what's going on in the world, you know, things, concerns about trade wars pricing of commodities, energy sector, all, all those kinds of things. What's the Federal Open Market Committee going to do with rates when they meet? You know, there's a lot of discussion about a softening economy out there. And then the next day, oh, it looks good. And that's creating a little bit more volatility and uncertainty, not only in markets, but uh, but one thing's happened for sure. The Fed's slowed down their mantra about raising rates. They're, they're holding constant. And by many accounts, there's possibility that they would actually lower rates. And so those kinds of things are a big deal to us. We pay a lot of attention to that. Uh, a consequence of things getting a lot better over a very long recovery was lending really picked up and liquidity got a lot tighter. So that, that's that been something that CFOs have been real concerned about. Uh, a lot of credit unions are very lent out, so their loan-to-share ratios were real high, maybe even in borrowing position. With that came increased scrutiny from the NCUA, worried about uh, Liquidity management, do we have the, the right tools in place, proper understanding of what we're really doing there? That, that's created some pressure on all of us to make sure that we do a good job there. With liquidity then comes all kinds of discussions about pricing, uh, attracting and retaining deposits. You know, Where do we get our funding? Do we get it from 
you know, our members? Do we get it from wholesale sources? Those kinds of things. So there's a lot there uh, that NCUA has pushed us hard to make sure we have good interest rate risk modeling and uh, management ability. Uh, they, especially in a rising rate environment, that changes a little bit, and if it's flat or falling. Capital adequacy is another one, and, and planning is something that uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about. Capital is kind of king in our in our business that that helps uh, you to be able to grow the balance sheet, but it also helps you to be in a better position with uh, the examination process. Um, outside of those kind of core day-to-day things, you know, and there's a lot of others, it's non-interest income, all those kinds of things that we talk about a lot. That uh, one of the ones that, if, and not everybody that does what I do has this additional job, but I'm our security officer as well, and so cybersecurity is huge to me. I when I go to different conferences, I spend a lot of time going to tech and, and fraud-related uh, cybersecurity breakouts uh, to try and stay current, work very closely with our IT department to, to make sure we have layers and layers of security and that we really have the place buttoned down good. Um, that one worries me. You see the, the breaches out there, and we really are the stewards of member data and personally identifiable information and, and sensitive PII is, is super critical that we keep it locked down. It's it's a big deal when when it gets out. and breaches and identity theft and all those kinds of things, um, you get a little bit more into the risk management piece, which usually falls under finance as well, but whether that's BSA or red flag or identity theft, all those big bodies of regulation, those are also all kind of related in different ways. And uh, But cybersecurity is, is huge, and uh, that one is something that we just can't lose sight of and can't push to the side. I think we got to be proactive about that and stay as current as we can. You know, beyond that, there's a, there's other leadership things that I, I would hope that all my peers out there are thinking about. There's kind of a big changing of the guard going on across the industry. Our CEO is only about three and a half years from retirement. And there's a lot of that. You know, who's going to be the next group of leaders, and are they prepared, and what's their vision, and how does that going to change the direction of the movement, and you know, are we focused on succession planning and all directions, up and down, and and are we building the kind of leaders and the same connection and commitment to the movement that these folks that have left such a legacy ahead of us have? And I, I would hope that we go into those roles in the future with the same kind of commitment to to principle and and to our roots and you know the cooperative principles and things that that they had. Because to me, that's been very inspirational, and that's one of the things that's really kept me in the industry. What kind of advice do you have for someone who's like? I think I want to be a CFO someday. What do they need to do or what do you suggest that they do to kind of get to that point? The first thing that comes to mind is, and I'm going to totally borrow this from CUNA, but open your eyes to a credit union, right? I didn't even know credit unions existed until I was offered this job. And that's kind of crazy because I I lived over in Idaho Falls for about four years and there are all kinds of credit unions. Uh, Some of those are my friends now and uh, some great credit unions over there. And I had no idea. I would drive past them every day uh, going to work and didn't know what they were. It was as if they didn't exist. And, you know, you, you see the Wells Fargo's and all the others out there, those big brands that you're familiar with. But and I know you're asking about a CFO, but it, I'm thinking CFO and a credit union. <laughs> and uh, we've got to find ways to help people to want to do this kind of work for the right reasons. And, and for me, that made all the difference. I, I worked in corporate America in finance and was very different mentality. It was not it was how do I how do I squeeze as much as I can out of that customer and while still retaining them and, and maximize the return to the shareholder, right? And it's been so refreshing this past decade to, to flip that on its head and say, 
how do I maintain a solvent financial institution and give back as much as I possibly can? And so I think to be a CFO at a credit union, it's really helpful if you care a whole lot about people and about good causes and you, you still love finance because you can be part of making that happen and still see all the great benefits of it in the credit union way. To go a little more directly to answer your question, I think that it takes a combination of things to be CFO. You have to have the hard skills. It's it's one of the more technical jobs. It's To me, it's very similar to an, an IT job in that if you just don't know how to do finance and you don't know how to, and I would say that the, the IT and and I came to the credit union with some past experience where I was liaison between uh, finance and and uh, the SQL Server guys at the uh, at the job I worked at, and so I, I consider myself really fortunate to have had that kind of crossover. Uh, and I I would really encourage that to anybody who wants to be a CFO is if you can get a lot of exposure to technology and especially with uh, analytics, whether that's you know BI or or whatever it is, but to have some of those skills too, that's really important. Uh, and beyond that, I mean, wherever you go, think big and and magnify your role. Make make yourself valuable by just doing you know everything you can to to make your area better, to make yourself better. Continue to to grow and learn and be open minded and and uh, encourage people around you. Building others up is one of the best ways to help yourself grow too. Is to invest in other people and and uh, in the beginning, you know, you, you're probably not the mentor, but you're being mentored. But uh, as soon as you can, you know, start giving back, start uh, volunteering and, and being of service to others. And that creates all kinds of camaraderie and ne- networking and things that uh, will will build a, a career. And, and to me, I've, I don't even really think of it like a career. I just, just want to make the biggest difference I can out there. And and so I think in, in finance and in, in a credit union, uh, what a great way to do that and to, to really understand the operations and what's kind of going on in the background is, you know, I don't have the contact with members in a direct way that member service or lending does. And yet I, I love to connect with them all the same. So know your stuff, work hard, love what you do. And if, you, if you're if you not really feeling the passion for that work, then maybe you do need to look at somewhere different. But I absolutely love what I do. And the CFO job, another thing you have to come to grips with is it's more strategic, it's more high level, it's less hands-on with the membership. And that's a transitional thing over time for most folks. And so some people don't like to become that far removed from day-to-day interaction with the members, but others love to kind of be at the head of steering the ship and where are we going. And, and that to me is really fun and exciting because you get to see how it makes a difference to lots of people's lives and not just individual lives on a kind of a daily basis. I don't know. That's a few different ideas about how to get there. Mine was a pretty unconventional way of getting here. I'm, I'm not the 20-year guy that started as a teller. That's not my story. But when I came here, I was recruited because I had a set of skills that nobody had here, and to the same degree, at least. And so that skill set was was valuable, and I've tried real hard to, to share that and build it in other people. And hopefully over time, the credit union as a whole has a lot of people that, that can, can do that sort of thing. It's a great place to work, great great kind of work to do to, to be in finance and eventually to the CFO job. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.